Let's cruise through Psalms. So there are 150 chapters in this book. This uh, I'm using my old laptop, and so for some reason this thing's delaying when I press click. One reason might be because I had the switch off, but let's see. Um, anyway, there, there may be a delay between uh, these slides. So we're starting in Psalms tonight, and the key word, of course, in Psalms is simply the word worship. And there are 150 chapters. It's the longest book in the Bible. And what I want to do tonight is we do an overview. I want to put in uh, as much of everything as I can without going into every chapter. There's no way we could do that. And um, we're going to look at an overview of it tonight and start with kind of some, some history first and then work our way down a little bit further. Um, so as we, uh, as we think of, of this book and study it and when it was written, Psalms was, was uh, written actually over a period of uh, roughly about a thousand years. Um, it was written from about 1461 B.C., and the next slide we'll talk about uh, that a little more, to about 444 B.C. Now, when we were studying back um, uh, in the uh, books of the Kings and Chronicles, and then when we looked at Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther, we talked about the, uh, the captivity of Israel and Judah, and then what we call post-captivity, where after they, um, many of them, after captivity time, whenever they went from uh, captivity from one nation to another, many of them made their way back to the land. And so sometime late in that post-captivity time, during the time roughly, probably around the time later than Nehemiah, maybe up till around the time of the last few books of the, the uh, what we call the Minor Prophets, Malachi, um, we get there, uh, I mean, you know, when we study that, we get to that, we'll, we'll see some of these dates um, land around about that time. So it was written over that much time period. And it was written by um, a number of people, and we'll do a, a list. I don't want to bog you down with this, but I just want to help you to see when we look at this list of names how, how many different people wrote the Psalms over that long period of time. So the very first psalm that was written is actually Psalm chapter 90 that we know of, and it was written by Moses, actually. And then uh, the last one, we're not sure who the author of it is. Um, uh, they're not sure when you study it. Not everybody's sure on who the, the, the one that wrote that psalm. Uh, but the last one was written probably right at the end of the Old Testament time. And when Malachi, the last Old Testament book, when it ended, um, Malachi was roughly about 400 years before Jesus was born. And so the last psalm was written a little, little while before that. So with that in mind, um, as you look at the book of Psalms, as we look at it tonight, we're going to break it down into five parts for just a moment, and then we're going to go into some, um, some, some more details about Psalms. By the time we get through with this study tonight, I hope that it helps, you give, get, helps give you a deeper hunger for Psalms on more than one level. Um, there are a lot of psalms that are probably very familiar to you. Um, some are very familiar, and you maybe can't even quote them. Um, but we're going to look at them and and kind of um, we're going to kind of go uh, start with a bird's eye view, and then we're going to look at a few few details that I hope will make psalms come alive to you and make it even more interesting than you've ever seen before in the Book of Psalms. So what um, there are several authors, several writers that that take this approach to it where you break down the book, the 150 books, into, into five sections. And it's not a clean break. It's not like 1 to, uh, you know, one to 30 and you know, 31 to, to uh, 60 or whatever 
you know, divided by 30s, I mean, by 5 would be 30s. It's not a clean break like that, but this is sectioned out for this reason. The first one in chapters 1 to 41 on our GPS is called the Genesis section because in these, in these 41 chapters, there are a lot of passages in there that are similar to the book of Genesis in that uh, humanity, mankind, is seen in a state of blessedness and recovery after the fall. Of course, um, with the fall of uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. And so you see where um, man is, is given a state of uh, blessedness. Humanity were given a state of blessedness because of knowing the, uh, the true and living God and the salvation that he sent to us. Then the book of, um, or the second section, chapters 42 to 72, is very similar to the book of Exodus. Because in these chapters, you actually see a lot of history of Israel in these chapters. Their ruin, uh, Israel's redeemer, and Israel's redemption. Now, it isn't always just about Israel in those chapters. Sometimes um, it's, it's a little more personal than that, but... It's uh, basically, if you're breaking it down, it gives the nation of Israel in view where the first section is mankind in general, humanity in general. Then you get to the Leviticus section, chapter 73 to 89, and you see a lot in there about worship as you do throughout the book of Psalms, but especially you see a lot of references to the tabernacle, to the temple, um, to uh, the assembly of, of, um, of uh, the, the believers together to worship. And so that's why it's called the Leviticus one, because when we studied the book of Leviticus, if you remember, that is a book of uh, Old Testament law that, that, gives the, that gives the guidelines for all the Old Testament priests uh, through the tribe of Levi, and even those that weren't the priests that took care of the tabernacle, that moved it from place to place. So that's called the Leviticus section. Then you get to the Numbers section, chapter 73 to 89. It's not quite as lengthy as the others. And this section, those uh, chapters, you see a lot about, um, um, about perils, uh, about, um, about uh, protection even in, in calamities and in peril. Um, Book of Numbers in the, uh, in the Old Testament, when we studied that, we saw you know, a lot of, of Israel going through the wilderness and the problems that they dealt with and the, the times where they, you know, they were without water and they wanted food and God provided manna and so forth. And so uh, those chapters parallel the book of Numbers. And then um, the book of Leviticus, I mean the book of uh, Deuteronomy, excuse me, we get this thing to change. I'm sorry, Numbers is 90 to 106, so it's, it's 16 chapters also like the last one. So that's the Numbers section, 90 to 106. 107 to 150 is a Deuteronomy section, and the, De and the book of Deuteronomy, when we uh, studied it, you'll remember that the book of Deuteronomy was a reflection of, um, of Israel uh, on how, or I say a reflection, was a, were commands to Israel on, on keeping God's word. The word Deuteronomy, is we, when we study that, it means the word Deuter means two, so it means a second giving of the law. So when God gave them the law again through Moses, this was for when they were to go into the land. They had the law from when they were wandering in the wilderness. Then they were to get the law from, from being in the land. And so the, um, the emphasis is on God's words in there to them. And then, as we'll see tonight, in that section of chapters 107 to 150, of course, is Psalm 119, the longest one, as we'll see that in just a moment. So as we make our way through here, we'll just look at a few 
few um, important facts about the book of Psalms. Again, it's 150. It's the longest book in the Bible. But among the 150 chapters, the shortest one is Psalm 117. And it's only two verses in that little psalm. Um, but they're a psalm actually of, uh, of praise, and it's about, and we'll get to this a little later a little bit more, it's actually about the millennial reign of Christ. And so uh, it's a psalm of praise. It's very short and uh, only two chapters. And then when you, um, uh, as I've already mentioned, when you get over just two chapters later, you get to 119. That is the longest psalm, and it is a psalm about the Word of God. Uh, throughout that psalm, there are 176 verses in that long psalm. Longest psalm and the longest chapter, of course, in the Bible. Um, every uh, word just about mentions the law of God, the uh, statutes of God, uh, God's word. And you see that all, all the way through there um, in that chapter. Long chapter, but you could dig into that and you could spend a lot of time just on that one chapter studying it and, and reading about um, about God's word. The uh, most important verse, if you'll turn with me, go over to Psalm 138, if you'll go there with me. Most impo important verse in the Psalms, and really, probably, in all of Scripture, is in Psalm 138, and verse number 2. This actually is a Psalm of David. King David wrote this at, at some point, and he says this, I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Um, God holds his word in very high esteem. His name is in very high esteem. He told them in the book of Exodus and what we know as the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, but he holds his word even above his name. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that he gave uh, to Jesus a name above every name. And as important as that is, the Word of God is even more important as, as that name. So uh, that's the most important verse in Psalms and I believe uh, maybe mo most important in all the Bible. One of the things as you study through the book of Psalms, um, sometimes you'll see where the, the different Psalms, it'll go from one chapter from one subject to another. Uh, sometimes you'll have chapter after chapter about praise. Uh, about um, about uh, praising God and glorifying Him in the midst of troubles. And sometimes there are chapter after chapter about troubles. But there's a neat trilogy in the Psalms, and the three together. The one in the middle, everyone's familiar with Psalm 23. You hear it quoted a lot at funerals or gravesides, uh, funeral uh, services, graveside services. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when you go into Psalm 22, we'll actually go into it in just a little bit, uh, a couple of verses. When you go into Psalm 22, it is a prophecy about Jesus suffering on the cross. Now, not the whole chapter, but a lot of the verses in the chapter talk about Jesus as our suffering Savior who took our place on the cross. And we'll, we'll actually look at that in a moment a little more. And then you get to chapter 3, you see him as our good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then when you get to chapter 24, it talks about the king who's going to return and come back. So a great trilogy in the book of Psalms, 22, 23, and 24. The suffering Savior, our, our good shepherd, and then the king that will return one day. Great, great trilogy there in the book of Psalms. And a very interesting study. You study them back to back like that. But they're all in, in place back to back. It's not always that way in Scripture, but it is there. So real quickly, we're going to go over this. You, you, you may or may not want to write these down if you don't. There are places on, on the Internet, probably you can find it. There are books that later on in our study, sometime later on this summer, I'll, I'll, I'll 
maybe give a recommendation of some books, or maybe bring some if you'd like to look at them, uh, that are a help. Um, 73 of them were written by King David. He wrote about uh, a little over half the Psalms, or, or right at half, rather. Um, there are 150, so he wrote, as far as we know, 73. Could have been more than that, but, but we know of 73 of them. A man named Asaph wrote 12. Asaph was a man who was uh, in the Old Testament who was a worship leader. Uh, also, the sons of Korah, they're also found as descendants of uh, Moses. Um, they're, um, th- they were, um, and the sons of Korah were the ones who, who uh, took care of the tabernacle when it was moved from place to place in uh, the book of uh, Leviticus and Numbers and so forth in the Old Testament. And they wrote about 10 of them. Uh, one, possibly two, were written by Solomon, and one of them uh, that we know of is Psalm 127. It was either written by him or was written from his father, King David, specifically for him. So that's chapter 127 that was written by Solomon. They, they, uh, some authors say there's a second one, but I haven't found the other one listed anywhere. Then when you get to uh, read on down, uh, as you study the Psalms, there are um, some others who have written. There's a man named, I guess that's pronounced Heman and not He-Man. You remember the 80s uh, character, the cartoon character? I think it's pronounced Heman. But he wrote one. He was a Levite under David's reign. Remember again, the Levites were of the tribe of Levi. Uh, Moses and Aaron were descendants of Levi. And their children, their their sons that went down through the, the years, those that were either priests that served, or those that were Levites that took care of the temple. There's a man named Heman that wrote one of those. Another one was written by a man named Ethan. Two that we know of are authored by Moses. I gave you chapter 90 is the very first psalm, probably, uh, that we, that's in our, uh, in, in our psalms. And then at least 10 are credited to one of the kings. His name was Hezekiah. And if you remember when we studied 2 Kings and uh, 2 Chronicles, we talked about him. Here are some psalms. So, Psalms has been called the songbook, and I I just went through, there are a lot more than this, but I went through last night looking as I finished up my notes and thinking about some of the psalms that are in our hymn book. There are so many you you couldn't be able to list them really because so many songs, not just choruses, but there are a lot of songs that have words that are based out of the psalm. Um, So I was trying to think of one of the songs we sing sometimes that... um, that's found in there. But anyway, so what I'm trying to get to come to mind, but some of the songs we sing a lot of times on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, Unto Thee, O Lord. Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my... I won't sing all of them. Anyway, that's one of them. It's found in 25, 1 to 3. Uh, As the deer is found in Psalm 42, 1. Uh, deer is uh, in the hymn book. It's a heart in the, uh, in the King James, H-A-R-T, but that's just a, an old name for a deer. Uh, Thy loving kindness is better than life. We sing that one a lot of times. That's Psalm 63, verse 3 and 4. And then bless the Lord, O my soul. There are actually two, a couple of different courses from these, those particular words. But that's in Psalm 103, verse 1. Uh, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, Psalm 89, 11. And then, or excuse me, 89, 1. And then um, Psalm 118, verse 24. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. And so those are just a few that we sing that are just, you know, just pretty much straight from the Psalms that, that writers have taken, maybe, uh, you know, changed some of the order of words to rhyme or whatever in our, in our singing, but they're from those verses. And so there are a lot of them. So it's, it's been called the hymn book of the Old Testament. And a lot of those songs, uh, a lot of those that are the Psalms that are written were sung um, by, by, the, by the Hebrews throughout their history. Uh, as more than were written, more than were sung. 
Um, now, they're, they're not in the meter of rhyme like we think of most of the time, but they, they uh, sung most of these at different times um, for different uh, times of worship and so forth. And so they were they're, um, all throughout the Psalms that were sung. And then the book in the New Testament, the book of Colossians, says speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3, I think that's around verse 16, I believe it's right, if I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But Paul writes about, you know, and so the, the early church sang a lot of the psalms. I mean, you know, they didn't have amazing grace. They didn't have uh, blessed assurance. Those weren't written yet. And so they sang a lot of the psalms and whatever songs that were being written that day in a, you know, contemporary setting of their day. So what we're going to look at is a, a very important truth in studying the Word of God. And we're going to see it, especially here in Psalms tonight. When you study the Bible, every passage in Scripture has three applications. Um, you know, there's one interpretation. What it's, it's read, it's, it is what it says. But it can be applied in these three different ways. It can be depri- it can be applied devotionally. Some call it a, sometimes it's called a spiritual application. It can it's to be applied historically. That is, it happened just the way the Bible says it happened at that particular time. A historical application. And then there's a lot of times another word to go with that. I should have put on the slide is not just prophetic but doctrinal application. So, but tonight we're going to look at some prophecy and Psalms. And uh, that's the part I want to see tonight that is just going to hopefully make you look at the Psalms completely different. If you've read them many times, I hope that beginning tonight, when you pick them up and read them in the future, you'll never read the Psalms the same. It's going to be richer for you. It's going to be deeper for you. And it's going to have more. It's not going to take away the meaning you already have. It's just going to add to it and make it richer. And I hope that that will be something we all get to enjoy uh, from the Psalms more and more as we read them and, and uh, apply them in our life. So the devotional or spiritual application of the psalm. Now we're not going to talk, turn to all these uh, chapters tonight, but there are several chapters in, in, um, that are, um, as you read them, they just really jump out to you as devotional psalms. That is, psalms of, um, uh, of a person's, like you're spending personal time just talking with the Lord, personal time reading, and maybe things you're thinking about, decisions you're making, problems you're dealing with, when you're sad, when you're, when you're grieving, when you're lonely, um, these, um, these Psalms are very good. When you're in despair, um, Psalm 6, Psalm 31, and Psalm 38 are great Psalms for that. Um, I may look at a few of these, um, a few examples of these if we, if we have time here in a moment. But Psalm chapter 6 is one of them. And Psalm 31 and Psalm 38. I tell you what, let me read over a couple of verses in Psalm 31. The psalmist here happens to be David. And he says this, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust, Psalm 31 and verse 1. Um, Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow, thou, bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. Verse 3, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. This was written when David was going through some troubles in his life. And so you can see there as you read through those verses and think about them. The Lord is our rock. What is a rock? It's a place sometimes to hide. It's a place that doesn't move. It's, it's something that's steady and steadfast. And so when you read through those verses, you think of the character of God like, you know, he is our rock. And so, so much practical application and devotional application in the psalm. So uh, whether you're in despair or whether you're um, singing from a heart of praise or reading and thinking and singing uh, along the line 
of the heart of praise. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And uh, so here is a, a psalm of praise. In fact, it says in verse 2 of that same chapter, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and adventure. So it talks about uh, the praise that is from his heart. And uh, in fact, that, that, um, that psalm, that, ch- uh, that verse in Psalm 8, chapter, uh, verse, chapter 8, verse 2, is quoted by Jesus twice in the book of Matthew. And then also uh, in praise, Psalm 149, Psalm 150, those two chapters talk about praising the Lord with our voice, with every instrument, praise Him with everything. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Then you get to some psalms that are psalms that are kind of in between despair and praise. One of my favorite ones uh, is in Psalm chapter 27. Another one is Psalm 40 there uh, that I listed. But Psalm 27, um, here the psalmist, um, also David, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's also a song that was written many years ago from that verse. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came up uh, to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So you see some despair here, but you see also praise. So you see both things there going on. Verse um, 13 of the same chapter. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So the devotional uh, application is all through this every psalm, and these are just some examples of whether it's despair or whether it's praise or being right in between both of those things. The psalms are so full of great devotional uh, application. Then there's the historical. We won't turn to all of these, but when you look uh, at uh, Psalms 105, 106, 107, and then again Psalm 137, it gives a lot of Israel's history. And in fact, when we broke this, remember when we broke these, uh, this down into five parts um, of uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when you get over to the Psalms, actually in Psalm, um, let's see, I think it's Psalm 107, I believe it is, Psalm 106, somewhere in there, um, you see like a mini breakdown of that where in those chapters it gives Israel's history, it goes through the law. Um, of the uh, Old Testament and the, the things that God did for them. It talks about in those chapters how God brought them through, how he you know, parted the Red Sea and brought them through on dry ground. And it's a reminder to them. So you see a lot of historical truth in the book of Psalms. And then even personal uh, history. King David, some of his history, you read those Psalms. Probably the best known Psalm that David wrote, other, well, other than the 23rd Psalm, uh, is Psalm 51. It was a Psalm that he penned after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And he said, Lord, um, you know, blot out my transgressions. And, um, and he was honest with God about his sin. And so uh, some of his personal history there is seen in the psalm. So there's a devotional, there's a historical, and there's also the doctrinal. And what we'll look at tonight, we're going to call the prophetic. Let's look at a few examples of this. Go with me to Psalm 16, if you will. And I think I have these pretty much in order. We can go from, from left to right here. on the. Um, we won't hit all of them, but I want to look at, look at several of them. Psalm 16, look at verse 10. 
For thou wilt not uh, leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That is a prophecy about Jesus' resurrection. And then, in fact, when you go over to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 13, when Simon Peter is preaching, and later when Paul is preaching in, in um, Acts 13, they quote this about the resurrection of Jesus and quote from this verse here. Look at chapter 22 with me. 22 verse 1 through 3. These words should be very, very familiar um, when it comes to thinking about the suffering of our Savior. In fact, this is what he said on the cross. Verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of, of thy roaring? That comes straight from Matthew 27, Mark 15, when Jesus was on the cross. Uh, now this next verse, he's not quoting this, but, but David is saying this. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. Now apparently there were times in David's life when he was running from trouble, when he was, um, was running from his enemies, and, and uh, you know, his, his heart was crying out to God to save him, protect him, deliver him. Obviously some of these words were words of David at the time. Um, but look at verse 3. And this is why when Jesus was on the cross and said and asked the Father, Why have you forsaken me? And this is the answer in verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. When the sins of the world were laid upon God's Son, God turned His back on His own Son for a short time while He was there on the cross. From the time He cried those words until He said, It, was, it is finished, and he, and he died for you and me. So those are some prophetic Verses that were fulfilled in the ministry and the life of Jesus and his death. Go down to verse 6 to 8. Um, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Right out of Matthew 27 and Mark 15 and Luke 23. Those verses are, are seen right there in those chapters. Um, let's look at just a couple more. Go to 17 in the same chapter and 18. I may tell all my bones and they look and stare upon me. Uh, when Jesus was on the cross, they could see, you know, all of his bones. He was there on the cross with probably nothing but a loincloth on as he was on the cross. Verse 18, look at this. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Remember when he was at the, being crucified, the soldiers were right around the cross and they were gambling for his clothes. They had no clue what they were doing. They were fulfilling this prophecy in this verse 18 right here. An amazing thing. So we see prophecy in there. And um, 31.5 and 34.20 also give some. It uh, says in one of those two verses that not a bone was broken and prophesied that and not a bone was broken of, of our Savior. Then there are future Psalms. Go with me to chapter 2. Uh, or excuse me, future prophecy. Psalms that will will take, take place in the future. They haven't yet, but they will. This is, a, this is a chapter, most all of this chapter is about the second advent or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Verse 6, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of, of Zion. Second coming of Jesus Christ and reigning on earth for a thousand years. Isn't that awesome? That's yet to happen and there's some prophecy in the Psalms. There's also some in 24, which we'll actually look at in a moment. And then also some in 46.
So, with that in mind, we're going to kind of tunnel down a little bit or kind of drill down a little bit and go a little bit further and look at, the, look at this uh, in, in uh, the book of Psalms. There is a word found 76 times in the Bible and 71 times it's found in Psalms. And it's the word, now people pronounce it differently. The, I think the correct pronunciation, uh, pronunciation is Salah. I didn't even say pronunciation right. This, the correct pronunciation is Salah, but some people say Sila, and they, they leave that H off and just, and just make the A long. But however you want to pronounce it, um, this is what we're going to look at. So Salah basically is a musical rest, which is very fitting because in the Psalms, you know, many of those songs were sung or were written to be sung. And so you get to a point sometimes in the middle of the chapter, as we'll see in a moment, sometimes two or three times in the same chapter, there'll be a salah, a musical rest. So uh, those words were probably sung, and it was, it's, like, it's almost like um, going from one verse to another in a chorus and then stopping and you know, maybe going back to another verse or something in our, in, in our terms of it today. So we're going to take a little look at this about salah and, uh, and talk about this. So... That's what, it, that's what it means, a musical rest. It practically means think on that or think about that. When, you, when you're studying it and you see that salah, that's a musical rest, it, it's, when it's, it says that, it means think about this. Look with me at a couple of examples. Look at 32.5, Psalm 32.5. This is a Psalm of David. In fact, we mentioned a while ago Psalm 51. 51 and 32 were both written after he had, you know, had sinned with Bathsheba and got things right with God. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. So that's a musical rest, but that's also, think about that. David says, I confess my sin. God has forgiven me. I got that right with God. I confess that with God. So think on that. Think about the mercy of God. Think about the grace of God. Let's look at another one. Look at Psalm 44 and verse number 8. Psalm 44 and verse 8. In God we boast all the day long. We're not to boast about ourselves, but we can boast about the Lord all the time. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Salah. Think about that. Think on that. Think about the name of the Lord. Think about the power of his name. And he says, we boast on him all day long. We praise his name forever. Think on that. You can sit and have a lot of great thoughts and devotional thoughts from Scripture and then look up some other references when you sit and think about that. What a great, wonderful promise. But there's a Salah right there. And so with that in mind, though, we're going to look a little bit deeper about Salah. Now, this seems at first like a coincidence, but it's not. Uh, it's a musical rest. And there's a fascinating truth doctrinally uh, and prophetically concerning the word Salah in the book of Psalms. This is very interesting, very cool. Um, get your shovel, we're going to dig deep. This is really interesting. So doctrinally, it's quite an amazing thing as we're going to look at a few examples in here. We looked at some of the Salah, you know, the rest and think on that. But every time you see the word Salah in Psalms, or Selah if you want to pronounce it that way, it is about something prophetic. It's about something that's going to happen. And there is future prophecy, as we've been talking about, that'll either be in the same verse or right before that verse 
or right after that verse. This is really, really neat. This will change your uh, way of studying the Psalms. I love this. This is great. So, if this thing, this slide will go and change. Silah in the book of Psalms is a reference to future prophecy. It'll have something to do with the Antichrist, the tribulation, the second advent, second coming, or the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Let's look at an example. Go with me to chapter 46, right close by where you just were, probably. Start at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now again, just because some of these things are prophetic does not mean you can't apply them devotionally. You certainly can. God is our refuge and strength, right? Amen. He is our refuge. We can count on Him. We can rest in Him. We can know that He's going to take care of us. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, willing will not fear, will the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. We're probably never going to see that happen in our life. We're probably not going to see the, the mountains fall into the sea. Now, spiritually and devotionally, there are times where it feels like our world's coming apart, doesn't it? And there's nothing wrong with applying these verses to that. Look at verse 3. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. That verse is about the tribulation. When you read over in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, that describes some of the events of the tribulation, that's some of the very things that happen. There are going to be great earthquakes. And, and that's described there, and Jesus describes it in Matthew 24. So those verses describe the tribulation. There's that Salah. Like I said, they're right there. Isn't that an amazing thing? Go ahead, verse 4. There's a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God and the place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Now this is talking about an important city. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, but he, and he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's about the tribulation ending and the, the Lord Jesus coming back to Jerusalem. Let's see what it says there. There's a, a river, the city of God. The city of God is Jerusalem. That is his city. Go to verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. That's going to be during the tribulation. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. End of the tribulation. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Prophecy all in that chapter. Isn't that awesome? It just gets better. This, this, is, this is good stuff. I love this. But when you see this and you see that Salah, it will change your way of looking. And it will make you want to look deeper in there and see these passages, how they're going to, you know, that's what's going to happen in the tribulation. That's going to happen uh, with the Antichrist. We don't have time, of course, to look at all these. If you want to write them down, or I can give you a list of them later. Uh, it's too many to write down. There, there is a group of psalms, and they're not, there are a couple of them back to back, a few of them. Uh, like in the middle there, you see 52 to 55. They're called Maskil psalms, and it's some pronounce it, or excuse me, some spell it, M-A-S-K-I-L. And sometimes you'll see it spelled, if you, have a, if you have a Bible that has study notes of any kind, you'll probably see that on some of these. Sometimes it's spelled M-A-S-C-H-I-L, but it's pronounced the same way. So there's no right or wrong spelling on it because really it's kind of a Hebrew term. So a lot of times when you translate Hebrew to English, you're not going to get an exact spelling uh, in the English word, but you can get the idea. 32, 42, 44, and 45, and then here's a string, 52, 
53, 54, and 55. I'm doing this for the recording, basically. 68 and 69, 74, 78, and 142 are what are called masculine or masculine uh, psalms. Again, you can spell it either way. These psalms also, sometimes they'll have the word salah, and sometimes they won't, but these also are psalms of prophecy. Let's look at a couple of these real quick, and we need to move on. Go with me to chapter 55 to your right. Chapter 55, and then we're going to, uh, just a few verses, we're not going to stay in the whole chapter, then we're going to go over to seventy or to 68. Now there is a Salah in here, but this is also a masculine psalm, and if you have a, if you have, like I said, if you have a, either a study Bible or, now my Bible's not a study Bible, but it has like a note under the heading of each psalm, and it calls it a masculine psalm of David. So King David wrote this, let's just look down to verse Verse 1 to 7. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. So as we'll see as we read through this, why are they, why are they making supplication? Why are they crying out? Well, they're crying out because there's somebody after them. This is a cry of people in the tribulation who refuse the mark of the beast. And there, there are times, especially um, those in Israel, they'll have to run. Verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. There also, when you see that phrase, the wicked found in the Psalms, and there's a place in the New Testament where that's found, it is a reference to the Antichrist, the wicked. Sometimes he's called the wicked one. The wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, in wrath they hate me. Those who refuse the mark of the beast are going to be the most hated people in the tribulation. And some of them, it will cost them their life. Verse 4, my heart is sore pain within me. The terrors of death are falling upon me. In other words, they're running. They know that death is probably certain. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath, horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then I would I fly away and be at rest. They want to find a place where they can go and hide. Lo, then would I, verse 7, wander off and remain in the wilderness. There's our word, Silah. That is a reference to Jews or, or anybody that refuses to mark the beast in the tribulation. They want to get away from the Antichrist and from his forces. Um, as you read in Hebrews, or excuse me, in uh, Revelation 13, anybody that refuses the mark, it's going to cost them their life if they're caught. Another example, go to 68. We need to move on. We'll never make it through here if we don't move on through here. Uh, 68. Mm, let's start at verse 1. We'll read down to verse 7 on this one also. And there's a Salah here. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. There's a chorus we sing sometimes. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked, the wicked, perish at the presence of God. There again, a, a reference to either the Antichrist or Antichrist and his forces. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah. That's short for Jehovah, the Old Testament name. Don't let the Jehovah's Witnesses fool you folks. That is his name, but Jesus is the, the Jehovah, the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament. And rejoice before him, a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Why does he say that? Because there are going to be a lot of people who lose loved ones during the, during the tribulation. They lose their, their lives are taken from them. Um, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. With chains, They're imprisoned for not taking the, the mark of the beast. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou hast marched through the wilderness, Silah. 
So, so many times in here, over and over, you see references in these psalms, the masculine psalms and the psalms with Salah have uh, references to it. So, they include prophecy, the tribulation, events in the tribulation, the Antichrist, the second advent of Jesus Christ, and the masculine psalms. Sometimes they have Salah, sometimes they do not. The two we looked at do. So, you see trouble or day of trouble uh, in these psalms, and it's talking about the tribulation. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 30, um, he calls the tribulation, uh, God tells Jeremiah, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's trouble that's going to come to Israel, not the church, but to Israel. Uh, The wicked or wicked or evil man is is most every time a reference to the Antichrist or his forces. And arise is also uh, a second coming, the second advent of Jesus. That's found in several places. Psalm 59, 16 Psalm 82 and Psalm 140, you see that word arise, and it's a reference to Jesus' return. So let's move on a little further and not get too bogged down in this tonight, but I hope that this will help you see uh, Psalms in a completely different way. When you read those Psalms and you read those Salahs, stop and look what's there. And yeah, devotionally, you know, think about what's there. Think about what the writer says, but also realize there's probably something prophetic right before it in that verse or right after that verse. Psalms is, uh, let's look at our alternate routes a little bit. It's referred to and quoted in the New Testament by Jesus, by Luke, by Paul, and by Peter. Um, Paul in his letters and a time or two in Acts, Peter in the book of Acts, and Luke, I have Luke's name written down because he wrote the book of Acts. And then, of course, Jesus refers to some of them. And we'll look at a couple of places here. I'll just give you the references um, where there, there are places. In Luke 24, verse 44, Jesus said um, to look in the Old Testament, in the, the law of Moses, and in the Psalms concerning him. Acts 120, uh, Luke quotes uh, from Psalm 109 and verse 8. In Acts 20, no, excuse me, chapter 2, in verse 25 to 28, uh, Luke is writing uh, that, but it's actually Paul, I mean, excuse me, Peter talking, but Luke writes that down from Psalm chapter 16. That's the verse about. Uh, he would not allow his holy one to see corruption, that he would rise from the dead. And that's a sermon preached about the resurrection of Jesus, that uh, Peter preached about it. And then in Acts 13, verse 33, Paul quotes Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, as, uh, as he's speaking there in, um, in chapter 13 of Acts. So it's found, there, Psalms are found, that's just a few references. It's found by many uh, of the uh, either speakers or writers. In Romans 3, uh, verse 10, verse 13, and 14, where Paul talks about um, there's none righteous, no, not one. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. And it talks about how, you know, as sinners, talks about, you know, their, their mouth is full of wickedness and so forth. All that is found in uh, the Psalms, and it quotes that in Romans 3. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 6, 7, and 10. Uh, the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalms there. And then in 1 Peter 3, verse 10, Peter refers to the psalm in many, many other places. Uh, because it's such a big book, it's quoted many times in the Old Testament. Psalm 110, it's not a very long psalm, but it is quoted more than any other psalm. And Jesus quotes it. Of course, now, Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 20, those are all the same event, but that's, these three writers record Jesus saying that, where he quotes in Psalm 110, where he says, David writes, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thy foes, thy enemies, thy footstool. And so Jesus quotes that uh, during his ministry. And then in Acts 2, in Peter's sermon on uh, Pentecost uh, Sunday, 
he quotes that, and then in Hebrews 1, verse 3 and 5, 7 and 7, uh, excuse me, 5, 6 and 7, 17, the writer of Hebrews. So that one particular psalm is, is quoted more than any other in the New Testament. And there are a lot of quotes from the psalms, different places that I've already mentioned, and as we already looked at. So it's quoted more than the others. From a practical standpoint, and this is the only thing I could put under traffic jams and potholes, because there really aren't any in Psalms, if you think about it. But they are good pain relievers. They uh, teach us to learn from the examples of others. They teach us how David, the sorrows that he had. Um, in fact, one of the Psalms says, Oh Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. And David's just very honest with God about the things he'd gone through. There are times he writes one of the Psalms when he's running from his own son, Absalom, that wanted to kill him. Uh, he's writing when he's running from Saul. And so David had so many burdens and heartaches, but he cried out to the Lord and 73 of the Psalms were attributed to him. No wonder he was a man after God's own heart. Wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. So there's some good pain relievers in the book of Psalms. And uh, you spend, uh, spend a lot of time in there when you're going through heartache. Tune up. Psalms will turn our problems to prayer and praise quickly. And that's one of the things you see about David. He can be in the depth of the despair, or any of the other writers. They can be in the depth of despair. The next thing you know, uh, later in that chapter, they're, they're praising God. They're glorifying him and thanking him for his mercies over and over. Um, Jesus is found, oh, so many times in Psalms. We, I, I just grabbed three. So in Psalm 23, presently, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know that, that, that verse, especially that chapter, very well. Uh, in Psalm 23, we see Jesus there as our shepherd. And then in chapter 24, we didn't read it a while ago, but I mentioned that that is the um, chapter about, one of the chapters about his return, um, that he will, be on, he will come and, and, um, and be in, Jer in Jerusalem on the holy hill of Zion and about his return as the king. And then Psalm 118 and verse that's not right. And in verse 2, that verse is not right. It's 20-something. Uh, he is our cornerstone. And that's the same psalm from where we get um, our, our chorus we sing, this is the day the Lord has made. And it's within a couple of verses of that. Let me give you the right, the right verse on that. Psalm 118. It's actually supposed to be 20-something. Um, 22. He is the headstone of the corner. And then in verse 24, um, I think I have that on another on the next slide is uh, this is the day the Lord has made. So uh, he is seen so many times in the Psalms. That's only three. You can look all through the Psalms and find. Remember, we looked at earlier the places of his um, in chapter 22 where it talked about his um, uh, suffering on the cross. Psalm 23 is a favorite of everyone, and you may have even memorized it. If not, it's not a hard Psalm to memorize. The, the, it's not, it doesn't rhyme, but the meter just goes so well as you... Uh, as you uh, quote that or memorize that verse, and um, it's a wonderful verse. Another verse that's one of my favorites in Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Then Psalm 100 says um, uh, that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It starts out as a thanksgiving psalm. And um, over the years, there have been times where I preach a thanksgiving message from that psalm. From that psalm, make a joyful noise of the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. And so that psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving and of praise. Um, a great psalm to, to um, read, and it's not real long. It's, it's one that can be memorized 
um, give it a few times and go over it. You can memorize great psalm. And then Psalm 149, as I mentioned in Psalm 150, are psalms about praising the Lord and rejoicing. And Psalm 150 mentions several instruments. Praise Him with all, lists a bunch of instruments, the timbrel, the harp, um, stringed instruments, uh, like in those days, like a lyre or a, um, that's L-Y-R-E, not L-I-A-R, um, a lyre, or, um, and then it mentions an organ. So, you know, stringed instruments like a guitar, like a piano. Pianos have strings in them. Uh, those are stringed instruments. Um, cymbals, praise Him with the highest sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, it says. So, um, great chapter for home address to uh, read over and maybe even memorize at some point. So as I mentioned in uh, Psalm 138 verse 2 is the, the verse that he has magnified his word above all his name. All right, somehow we made that in 48 minutes and through 150 chapters. Any questions or any input about Psalms? Lot in there, lot in there. Um, I've known over the years, um, I've read over the years, and I, well, I, I used to do this at one time, but... Uh, some people take the Psalms and divide them in a month and read um, five a day. And you do that and you can do them all in a month. And so the months that have 31 days, you can read all of them except 119 and on the 31st, uh, read 119. Um, but, and, and just skip it on that month until that last day of the month. But if you read through five of them a day, one to five, six to ten, you can read through the Psalms in a month. All right, so anyway... We'll stop there if there's no other questions or input or anything. Did they rhyme in Hebrews? Uh, I think some of them do. Some of them do. And the, the way they sang them, I think they, some of them did rhyme. But um, I'm not sure how many, though, uh, did. Denise, you had a question or input? Uh, yeah, just the things about CeeLo are very interesting and the prophecy and the masks. All that, that's on that I hadn't necessarily ever heard so that was all very good. Okay, good. I, and if, if y'all want me to, I'll try to send you the, the list of those. Or maybe you can send an email out on that and give it a list because I know it's kind of a lot of, it's too much to really write down in notes. And I can, I can send out an email maybe tomorrow if I get a chance. So I'll try to get it out this week sometime, next day or two. So, all right, Lord willing, next week we'll go through Proverbs. Now, last summer, if you remember, or last fall, I guess, um, we, we uh, went through not the whole book, but a lot of the Proverbs. And so next week when we study this, we'll, we'll, um, uh, we'll, we'll not go you know, verse by verse, of course, but we'll, we'll break down these into main subjects and then also the different styles of Proverbs and um, looking forward to that coming up. And then uh, after that will be Ecclesiastes, which is another interesting book. So Lord willing, next week we'll try to tackle the book of Proverbs. All right, let's stand and close in prayer and dismiss. And I uh, hope everybody has a safe trip going home. We're grateful, Lord, for tonight, and thank you for your word. Thank you for all that's in the Psalms. And as we look tonight, Lord, there's so much devotionally that we read and we see from the mind and heart of the spirit of those who wrote uh, the Psalms from times of despair and uh, discouragement, even depression. And then we see those who wrote from the very heights of joy and praise and, uh, and worship, uh, because of who you are and what you've done and how you save and protect us and deliver us, Lord. And you're so good to us. There's so much in these 150 chapters. And, and that's besides even the prophecy we looked at tonight, Lord. And I thank you as we're studying through each of these books, Lord, what you're teaching me. And I hope that all of us are getting a greater desire, greater hunger uh, for your word and to, um, to see it come alive, Lord, for our daily living. And to know, Lord, that the decisions we make, 
the problems we face, the heartaches we endure, uh, we can go to your word and, uh, and see direction in it as you show us through the written word um, uh, how, to, how to seek your will and, and to, uh, to live for you, Lord, and walk in the, in the direction you'd have us to go. Pray that you'll keep us safe as we leave from here tonight and uh, pray for a great day in you on Sunday. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.